Welcome in for another installment of the Extra Point Podcast with the College Football Experience. We are the College Football Experience. My name's Gus. That's Will. Will, I'm glad you survived this week one, man, because these pickums, brother, they chewed us all up and they spit us out, man. Week one was a grueler. I'm glad it's over so we can move on to week two and hopefully we can all do a, just a little bit better. We can recap all that in a minute, but how did you enjoy this weekend of college football, man? Uh, you know, I loved it. Um, it was fun. A lot oh, yeah. of cool surprises. And, um, you know, it's always fun to get to watch week one um, just to kind of see how everybody is, you know, um, kind of right out of fall camp, just to kind of look at the teams, their new players. It kind of seems like free agency now in college football. You don't know who has who. And uh, just getting to see everybody play and uh, just kind of having football back, man. It just it felt great. Yeah, because we had spent the whole summer talking and talking and talking about college football. And we actually got to see all the teams kick off and play. Man, it was fantastic. But before we dive into our week one reaction and recap, we just want to make sure that y'all are subscribing because we see all of y'all watching. So we just want to make sure y'all are subscribing on the youtube channel we see all y'all listening on the podcast platforms as well so just so just give us a follow there we all we are posting some of this content <laughs> to tiktok and instagram as well so if y'all could give us a follow there as well and just like it and just sharing with your family sharing with your friends um just about the podcast that we're doing and all the content that we're going to be putting out this fall october 21st we're going to um tennessee at alabama that's going to be our first campus video and man we're really excited about that and all the other games that we are going to this fall man this team we're about to talk about first well hold up we we need to break down the pickums first and say man kind of like i was saying this week chewed us up and spit us out the best record we had this week was seven and three by Spencer and Luke, but Spencer finished first at seven and three with 40 out of 55 points. Luke seven and three, 34 out of 55 points. Luke, I think missed his 10 and his eight. So the placements really key with these pickums are two guests. We had last week, Will Smith finished tied second with 38 eight out of 55 points and logan good lord logan you need to step your game up 2022 champion finished tied for 11th with 34 points with a five and five record will let's see where you finished you finished fifth with 37 points six and four record that was pretty standard throughout really tied the for third yeah because i mean it's so close and then i was tied for second this week but this is this is a marathon this is not a sprint so spencer was barely our week one winner we can see if we can maybe get him on the show later this week to help us break down week two we can see if we can convince him yeah but, we can try i doubt it but yeah because we'll he's not really a public speaker but <laughs> hey he did win the week, so congratulations to our friend and pool participant, Spencer Sams. Spencer's really high on this team going into week two, but, man, Colorado, they were the talk of the weekend, really. They they opened up in the noon slot on Saturday. They did beat TCU 45-42. to They were impressive on the offensive side of the ball, man. They came out. They have some dudes, Shadur Sanders. Dog. Travis dog. Hunter. Dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, they they really have some guys. They have some weapons. And I was I loved the um job that Sean Lewis did there. Um, their um offensive coordinator man, he called a fantastic game, was really able to get his guys out on the edges. And I was shocked that Colorado won. I think I had TCU at like eight. I mean, I was pretty confident TCU was going to win. I was even confident that TCU was going to cover the 20 and a half just because I didn't know what the experiment that is Colorado football this season was going to do. But, hey, Dion said they were coming, and they're here. Yeah, they were my um, 
team I was just most surprised with. And, man, props to their coaching staff <clears throat> for, you know, not letting their team believe the outside um, noise. You know, nobody had them a shot. I mean, Vegas has them at three and a half wins yeah. this year. I mean, they came out. They looked really good. Um, you know, props to Jordan Travis coming out there playing, what, 80 snaps, something like that, maybe more than that. Travis um, Hunter. Or Travis Hunter, he's everything that he is made out to be. Um, yes. I mean, he can do it all. He can play offense, play defense. He can play special teams. I mean, he could do whatever. Um, <clears throat> could definitely see in him maybe win the Heisman eventually if he can keep keep up the both sides of the ball and maybe yeah. do some stuff on special teams. And then, you know, you talked about Shador uh, passing for over 500 yards. Man, just really impressed with those guys. And, you know, Coach Prime, um, you know, not a lot of people kind of take him serious for yeah. a while there. And I, I guess they're going to take him serious now with that, uh, you know, putting it on TCU. Um, you know, the defending, they, what, college football runner-up last yeah. year. So, um, props to them. I know TCU lost a lot. We were unsure, but we were definitely more unsure about Colorado. So yeah. that's why I think everybody went with TCU, but Spencer. Um, yeah, he, he put Colorado at one. Yeah. So um, props to Colorado. They got another big one this week. Um, they're going to be in a primetime you know, spot every week. Yeah. So um, we'll get to watch them every week, and they'll be on the pickums probably a lot this year. So yeah, they'll 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 for sure on it this coming up week. But that's something we can break down on Thursday. But I think I think that Colorado has kind of proved that you don't have to have extreme depth to win big, but you but you just have to have a couple dudes to win you some games. And. I'm just curious about can Travis Hunter because he played over a hundred snaps. I think he played like a hundred and two snaps, and there's no way he can play a hundred snaps every week and stay healthy. So I could kind of see him, especially in the bigger games like when they play Oregon, when they play uh, USC, when they play Washington. Well, no, they don't play Washington. When they play like UCLA and Oregon State and all the top teams in the Pac-12, I can see him maybe playing playing both ways then. But then on the weeks where they're just playing like Stanford and Arizona and um, Arizona State, like him just playing where he can make the biggest impact and then him getting the most reps there. But do you think we need to adjust our expectations for this Colorado team? Or do you think people are already doing that and they're kind of now they're overhyping them? Because you had people that were underhyping them. Now, do you think the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction? Because I think it kind of has. Um, I don't know yet. You know, we'll, we'll see. You know, I know they're ranked now. Um, yeah, they're, they're 22nd. Yeah, I don't know if <clears> – <throat> I don't know, you know, like it, it's, we can only do it based off the games, right? Yeah. So we'll have to see them in the Nebraska game and see how they do. Mm -hmm. um, but I do agree with you on the, uh, the Hunter thing about the games he needs to play and not needs to play offense. Um, eventually he's going to turn to one of those guys that they're just going, they're going to double them. And when yeah. he's out there, he, he's going to get somebody else open because they're going to put so much attention on them. Um, that'll be what I'll be interested to see. Like, how does Oregon defend him and what do they do yeah. and how can Colorado game plan to um, <clears throat> just kind of use him as a get get other defenders out there on him so we can get the ball over here to these guys. Mm -hmm. And that's eventually what it'll turn into. And, and one other thing, but kind of before I switch focus on to TCU, Colorado in the trenches, they – they were what I thought they would be in the trenches. Not great. They really weren't able to run the ball between the tackles. They were kind of getting bullied along the defensive line, but just that offense was able to scheme guys open on the perimeter, and they were able to hit big plays and and really take advantage of a TCU defense that is – They were good enough Saturday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're just good, good enough, good enough to get one I or mean, two stops to because they because they had that big interception in what was it the first quarter? Like one of the only guys Dion kept. He's either that white linebacker or, or is he a white safety? He's like a safety. He's a DB. yeah, yeah. And I mean, 
they made just enough stops to win the game because yeah. that offense is a high flying, quick pace. Well, we know TCU's not like known for offensive linemen and defensive linemen. I mean, yeah. look what happened when they played Georgia in the national championship. When they played, they were really good up people that were up front. I mean, they got dominated. And plus, in that 335 defense that they run, I mean, it's kind of hard to <clears throat> stop people in that defense. Yeah. You know, they're kind of their defense is kind of based off Big 12 offenses, which which yeah. is kind of what Colorado runs pretty much is yeah. air raid, high flying, pass it around a ton. So it'll be interesting to see when they play a team like they do play Oregon right on their schedule. So Colorado. So Colorado goes, they play Nebraska. They play Colorado State, USC, and Oregon in back-to-back weeks. Okay, so Oregon's going to be the one I'm going to look at because they're the ones who kind of have a better defensive-offensive line. Mm-hmm. We know USC just kind of struggles with that right now. They don't have though the type of guys that we're expecting. Even though I think it'll be better than what they played this weekend, it'll be really interesting to see those guys play like an Oregon-type defensive line Yeah, and watch them get after it. Man. I am excited to watch Colorado for the rest of the season just just to see because yeah, they're going to be the story for the rest. I mean, they're they're going to be the story for the rest of the college football season. Even if they just reach a bowl game, I mean, goodness gracious, that would Dude. be a mat. God, that would be such an achievement. It's the Deion Sanders just – Because like, everyone it, just – everyone just is able to buy in. He is a great leader of young men, and you have people want to – they want to play for him. It's the Deion Sanders effect, man. He's been like that since he's been in college, dude. He just the, the camera, yeah. Prime time's a great, great name for him because <laughs> yeah. the cameras are just on him. People listen to him. Kids love him. Kids want to be like him. Yeah. I mean, he he's just a dude. People want to follow him. People want to watch. I mean, yeah. so they're they're gonna they're gonna be on a good time slot every week. I mean, they're kicking off what 10 a.m. local time, just it's so people can watch. Their game over here yeah. on the East Coast, yeah. so it'll be it'll be interesting for sure to watch them the rest of the year. Yep, they will be on the pickums a lot. This game right here, Florida State LSU, that was one that was kind of divisive in the pickums. I know most everyone picked LSU. Only about four or five of us picked Florida State. I was one of them. I was a big believer in Florida State in this game. Florida State won. 45 to 24 I, and i mean they really showed whew, that they're here to play and that what mike norvell has been building down in tallahassee they're they're kind of the real deal man what do you think of florida state um first off i want to apologize to them because i have just been totally wrecking them <laughs> on this podcast um uh, you've been hating them. <clears throat> yeah i called them two and two told them they were gonna go two and two in september and they proved me wrong, man. Um, I kind of put my pride to the side when I picked them. I know when we uh, did this show, I said I wasn't going to pick them. Uh, but I changed my mind Saturday morning. Um, just kind of had a gut feeling. Just said, I think I need to put this to a side, and I think they can get it done. <clears throat> and um, they did. So they looked really good. Jordan Travis, he looks like a fifth, six-year senior, whatever it is. I mean, he looks like what he's advertised right now. I mean, and he has the dudes around him. Uh, Wilson, That's a big <clears> thing, dude. Wilson looked good. The wide receiver, number 14. Um, still needs to work on not dropping the balls that he's wide open on slants yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, Coleman takes that offense to the next level. He is and different. He like, is different, he man. He's really big, strong, fast. I mean, dude, he's an NFL wide receiver, man. Yeah. Um, And he just takes that that offense to another level and their defense get props to them man they they played well oh, too yeah. their defensive yeah. line brought it all night long in the second half their defense just kind of took over man and they cool. made some big stops on fourth downs a few times and uh really gave their guys some momentum man they've built a team down there in Tallahassee through the portal but also through high through high school recruiting but I mean, this team is scary. They should be, they should be the favorite. They are the favorite in the ACC now with what happened to with what happened to Clemson last night. We can break that down in a minute. But Florida State on the perimeter, man, kind of like you were saying, they they are 
just big, they're long, they're powerful, and they have a quarterback that's able to make the plays. I mean, c- kind of before we before we started recording, we, we were talking about what's this Florida State offense? Like, what is it at its core? And it's Jordan Travis being just an absolute playmaker. Him – him when things break down because they don't have the greatest offensive they don't have the greatest offensive line in the world they're good but not like top quality so you have to have the quarterback that can kind of move in the pocket he can get out of the pocket and when he does that he can make plays with his arm and with his legs and that's Jordan Travis we've said it this whole offseason he's gonna be what makes this team run? And like you were saying, he's he's everything as advertised. Props to their coaches too, man. I was watching some videos on it. <laughs> and, uh, dude, they do some blocking schemes that I've never seen before in the past. Yeah. Um, so they were – it's going to be kind of hard to describe if y'all ain't watching it, but I can see it in my head. So they were pulling a guard backside, and they were sealing off the rest of the offensive linemen. We're going to the right. And they let the defensive end unblock, and this guard just comes out of nowhere and hits them, and it's a passing play. And yeah. it looks like run play up front, and it's not like RPO. It, it was just a straight-up drop-back play-action pass, and it, it was so – it was really unique, and I've never seen nothing like that. And it was actually KJ, former yeah. from, Auburn Tiger, Auburn. former Callaway Cavalier that was in there. He was the one pulling. And it, it was just interesting to see that play and just some of the stuff that their coaches do. Mm-hmm. And they did a really good job coaching that game. Huge props to Mike Norvell. I didn't know he could he's coach in the in the big games, and he he's proved me wrong. Um, <clears throat> you know, he he's done a good job in the recruiting cycle this class that's coming up. Um, I think mm-hmm. that the was his weakness. Yep, was high school, and he's he's checked that off the list now. So he's he's a guy. He's done brought Florida State back into the you know relevance uh, in college football. Man, they're definitely um, a top five team, if not a top two team at this point of the season. I would put them yeah. at two, uh, just because of the winning of a top five, beating a top five opponent in yeah. Ohio State and Michigan, not really playing nobody. I mean, that they are ranked fourth in the ap today which i don't really put much stock in the ap i mean i i don't but go ahead i wish we would wait one month before rankings came out because or one just don't rank teams at all don't rank them don't rank them until towards it like like i think that the ranking should be done by vegas until you get towards the playoffs and then I think we should incorporate kind of like a BCS model mixed with kind of like a Vegas model. And then you take the playoff teams from kind of like the, from the BCS rankings. I hate all of this human element to it. I really don't care for it, but that's just my little rant on. Yeah. I wish we would at least wait a few weeks to rank them because they're going to look like the best, the second best team. When we get a month in, especially if they can somehow beat Clemson too. Yeah. I mean, how can Ohio State and Michigan even claim they're the second best team when their schedule just doesn't match it? Which is not their fault. Their schedule yeah. don't, you know, match it, but it is what it is. You just haven't played tough opponents like they have. Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of get back to the game. I loved how Florida State came out in the second half because you could tell that LSU, they had a game plan and they were executing it in the first half fairly well. They just couldn't execute once they got down and once they got down into the red zone. But you could definitely tell that Florida State came out in the second half with a different type of energy and they knew that they were going to be able to execute their game plan in the second half, man. But Kind of touching on LSU now. They looked good in the first half. I mean, they had over 300 yards of offense, but they just couldn't convert down in the red zone, man. They had multiple trips to the red zone, 300-plus yards of total offense, and they only came out with 17 points. This game in the first half easily could have been 
28 to 14, 31 to 14, but they just couldn't execute. And I think once LSU gave them all they had, like they executed there, they, the coaches game plan worked. The players just didn't necessarily execute on the field. And I think once they threw their fastball and all LSU had was a fastball, then you had Florida State was really able to come in and say, like, hey, we're here to play now. You're going to have to play by our rules in this second half. I and it, think, it was for sure a tell of two halves. I think Jaden Daniels is the one who kind of cost LSU the game a little bit. I mean, he yeah. did play – he played okay, but his decision-making just kind of cost him a little bit. Yeah. And even Brian Kelly kind of mentioned it in his halftime <clears throat> interview. He 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 kind of, you know, said we kind of had some misreads right there on the red zone a few times. I mean, twice. And yeah. uh, he, miss, <clears throat> he misread the defense. He tried to keep the ball himself, and he couldn't get in, and they turned the ball over, you know, inside the five-yard line. Yeah. Twice, I believe. Yeah. Uh, um. So, at, and then he threw an interception coming out of halftime. Uh, early in the third quarter, I mean, which guy? If I mean, if you give this offense, Florida State's offense, good field position, I mean, you're almost giving up seven points. Yeah. At that point, so, I mean, LSU's defense can only do so much. I mean, they're a pretty good squad, and they yeah, were down a really good. They were down some DBs, but you know, the they they have good players everywhere. So, um, I just think Jaden Daniels has to do a better job with. Um, decision making and controlling the game, and just you got to score, man. When you get inside the red zone, especially inside the yeah. five yard line, you got to score touchdowns. See, and and that's why I think they're playing Jane Daniels over over Garrett Nussmeyer because he has the running element to his game, which is something that if you are an LSU fan, your kind of worst fears were kind of realized in this second half because LSU could not run the ball. They couldn't get any push up front. And Jaden Daniels was still leaving deep balls short. He was still under throwing receivers. And that was his big thing last year. Like they could have really beaten some teams bad if on the deep ball, he could just hit it. Like, just don't underthrow your guy by five to six yards consistently, and you're going to be winning and scoring a lot more. And this LSU secondary, I mean, kind of like we were saying whenever whenever we were talking about Florida State, they got cooked. And that was a big question mark for this LSU team was all these secondary transfers that they brought in. I mean, they looked small. They, they didn't look like they could cover in man. I mean, they just – no, they they Just were down some guys. Underwhelming suspension, suspension and an injury already. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they get these guys back and what their secondary can look like. Because if not, man, if you, if your secondary can't get right, man, it's going to be a long year for you. I mean, or that defensive yeah. line needs to get going. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this this also was probably the best receiving core that LSU will see this whole season. Yeah. So I mean, they 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 did kind of get exposed early, but that's just showing teams like, hey, this is a really big weakness for this team at this point in time. They they could for sure improve because I mean, this is only week week one, and we play twelve games. But if you're LSU, I I'd be sleeping a a little light at night because I'd be worried about what's coming with that secondary. Jumping from one ACC team to another. Man, this game was phenomenal. Duke 28, Clemson 7. This was embarrassing for Clemson. I mean, this was embarrassing for Clemson. But what a monumental moment for Mike Elko and the Duke Blue Devils, man. Clemson looked average. Clemson looked like a bunch of white boys running out there. There was a joke that was said in the a joke that was said um in the CFP Pickham's group chat that Clemson looked like a two A Christian school. Man, yeah, I mean, um, they look, just they looked average. You can everywhere. just tell Clemson just doesn't have those guys on the defensive line or in the skill positions, like they or used on the to offensive have. line. I mean, 
<clears throat> if they had some dudes out at their wide receiver and they had some dudes that could get after it on defense, like on the defensive line, this would be a way better team. Yeah. But, man, dude, they just – they couldn't get nothing going last night. And then when they did, they'd fumble it. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, their their second half was just – they didn't punt it until the fourth quarter because either they would give them the ball away or they'd miss the field goal. I mean, yeah. it was – it was just a rocky game, man, and you could tell from the get-go that it wasn't smooth. Some, something wasn't right, and so, yeah, they just wasn't going smooth at all. They couldn't get going at all, and Duke finally got going in the second half, and yeah. you can just tell, man, Clemson, it just wasn't their night, and they weren't going to win the ball game like late in the third quarter. Yeah, and I mean – We've been high on Duke since the beginning of this podcast. I'm going to toot my own horn. I think it was in our first show ever. I said Duke over six and a half for the season. This this was all the way back in June. I was like, Duke, they, they have so much returning production. They're full of juniors, seniors, super seniors because of the COVID rule. And Mike Elko, he's such a good coach. You're able to tell that this team – is full of a bunch of smart dudes who love football, who are flying around. They are able to they're able to know their job and they're able to execute their job. And I mean, goodness gracious, Riley Leonard, the quarterback, didn't have a phenomenal night when it comes to terms of stats, but man, he's he, just a dude. He's a dude. He man, and he and, managed the game, dude. That's and, all he had to do. And I think he was there reading. I think he was their leading rusher. I think he had like 98 yards rushing because he had that big run that kind of really extended the Duke lead. It was in the, it was it was either in the late third or the early fourth where he kind of got tied up in the backfield and then he mm -hmm. was able to break down he the right off. side. Yeah, yeah, man. But I'm so happy for Duke and if disappointing Clemson's dude, disappointing, man. Dude, if you're Clemson, I mean, we thought. We thought that Dabo had his man in the mirror moment where he was able to look and say, like, I need to make a change. And he was able to go and get Garrett Riley from TCU this offseason. But I think he's going to have to have another one. I think he's going to have to have another one quick and say, like, hey, we were able to get the coordinator. Now we have to upgrade this roster and we have to upgrade it quick because those fans at Clemson, they got used to winning. And they got used to winning big. They got used to dominating the ACC, what was for almost a decade. I mean, they were dominating the ACC since 2015. So eight for that, dude. Yeah. So, so about eight years. And and I'm not saying Clemson's going to fall off a cliff, but we could see Clemson lose nine, uh, three to four ball games this year. I mean, they've already lost one. And if you're losing Duke, what are you going to do when you play Florida State? I think they play North Carolina. What are you going to do when you have to play Notre Dame? I mean, those are solid ball teams. And I, I mean, mean he, he's just, not a uh, Dabo's not a portal guy, but after he's going to he have to watches, be. After he watches Florida State come in his place and play him, he's going to change his mind. He's going to have to. I mean, I mean. If, I mean, if you're, how can you? It's the only way you can flip your roster like that is get the portal, and that's that's how he's going to have to do it. And he he needs to let his offense coordinator and defense coordinator kind of tell him, look, these are the guys we need, these are the guys we mm -hmm. want, and then he needs to do his part and get them there because people like him, people want to yeah. play for him. I mean, he's a good dude and he's a he's a good coach. I mean, I'd want my kid to play for him. That's exactly so he, he just needs to he needs to let his guys do the coaching and find his and find them their guys and then he kind of does his part to help get them there. He's and, he's uh, he's just so big on well if you didn't want to come to Clemson in the first place and we don't really want you like he's so big about fit for Clemson and fit for a culture. Well, he needs to he's kind weird of get, about yeah oh like he kind of needs to get ready to get players that are fit to play in ball because because yep. some of those guys that he has on the roster right now they aren't able to do what people expect for Clemson to do and how can you deny the portal like how can you look at the portal and say 
this does not work because you can see that it sure as heck works for Florida State. It yeah. sure as heck has worked for Colorado. It yeah. sure as heck has worked for USC. So if so, if you're a good coach and you can identify talent, which he obviously can because he's had it there in the past, you you should be able to go into the portal and he should be able to get high, like really high character guys to come in that still fit Clemson, but can fill those roles that he needs on the defensive line, on the offensive line, and in the in the wide receiver room, because that's where he needs it the most. Man, Clemson. Hope you can do better, but at the same time, I kind of like to see you burn. Huh. Man. Well, I'm going to have to break your heart with talking about this game, man, because I know you're going to have a lot to say about it. Utah 24, Florida 11. Did Utah win this game, or did Florida kind of lose it by just playing real ugly and being really undisciplined? A little bit of both. Utah had a really good first quarter. Yeah, um, I mean, they hit the shot play, their first offensive play, which, <coughs> um, which, shot. which really was kind of Florida's fault because they had a safety get yeah. dragged away, and then they even got tripped up running back there to them. So, like, it, yeah, I mean, you had a guy running a crosser, and the guy cover him kind of fail, and the safety kind of flinched. Just, I mean, just a flinch to that crosser. And then he saw the dude throw it deep, and uh, I mean that guy beat our corner on the post, and and our guy that got beat is supposed to be our five star no. first round draft first round pick this year in the draft. Um, but you know credit them, they did a good job on that play, and then we moved on, and it looked like we were we were settled into the game, we were getting ready to get the ball back, and then we had two guys with the same number on the field. Then they scored again. Then we were driving downfield. We got in the red zone, and we had a false start. On on like third and like two. Dude, yeah. over and over again, Florida would get in these short, these short down, these like short down and distance territory, and then they'd shoot themselves in the foot, and then it'd be a passing down. Over and over I, I, don't, and over I still don't again. know how a delay game can happen when the quarterback and the coach are sitting right there watching it. Yeah, I just don't know how that can happen anymore. Especially you're in the second quarter. You got both, all three of your timeouts. Just use one. Yeah. I mean, it was third and manageable too, like third and two. Yeah. You turned third and seven, man. And then it cost us right there. And, and then we missed a field goal. And I, I mean, I'll say this you give Utah credit. Um, when yeah. they did the crowd noise thing, it was really loud. They did their, the crowd did their job on those plays. Yeah. I mean, they, but to, to me, we, we've been in those positions. Some of these players have played at A&M. They played at, you know, they've played at LSU. It's Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, you've been in loud environments. South, this, South this, Carolina. Yeah, this should be no problem for y'all. But young players, young players make mistakes. Um, proud how Graham Mertz played. I think he, I mean, he threw it 44 times. That's a little bit. That's way too much for us. Three, three, 330 plus yards. Dude, yeah, but he, when you throw it 44 times, I mean, yeah. God dang. I mean, it's hard not to. It's, when we throw it over 30 times, we're in trouble. Something's wrong. Because, yes, because the, the stats have already shown when we throw it that much, we're going to lose the ball game mm -hmm. with under Billy Napier. So, well, it, and. It, that was kind of them abandoning the run too, because because I think Florida only ran it what like fifteen times. Yeah, and again, this goes back to the new clock rules. I mean, when you get down fourteen to three early, you got to get out of your game plan to try to get into the ball game again, and we just couldn't get I into it. We rules. we didn't try to abandon the run, but the game itself just kind of was kind of moving away from y'all's game, plan. moving away from it, and. I don't care what the score is. Your best running back only getting three carries, uh, Montreal Johnson, is ridiculous, man. You, you got to get him the ball. and I don't care how you get it to him. Just get it to him and let him make plays because he can do it. Yeah, and and I mean, Florida kind of in the trenches, dude, too. They, they kind of did look average. They looked a little slow on the defensive line. This was something that I was thinking whenever I was watching the game. I was, I was like – 
man, like they just don't have guys that can really pin their ears back. Well, it, it doesn't look like they have guys that can really pin their ears back and go get like just go get the quarterback and like go make the plays and guys that can get out and run side sideline to sideline. But that 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 could just be it's the first game there. They are having to get settled in. And then on the offensive line, probably the reason that I didn't see that much is probably because they only ran the ball for 15 times. So we really didn't get to see a like a heavy dose of them trying to run the football. But a bunch of people are down on Florida. I I think people need to get off of Billy's jock strap and and let him do his thing. Like give the man some time. It's like like did Florida look extremely undisciplined? Yes, there is there is no denying Florida didn't do themselves any favors to win the game. But that stuff is fixable. And I mean, we've seen it time and time again where these coaches, they not every situation is the same. Every situation is very unique. So so when you see coaches coming in in their first year or their second year and they're having a lot of success, that might not be the situation in Florida. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some of the stuff that happened with us Saturday is easily fixable to me. Yeah. Um the punts don't catch if you're that's easy standing at the 10 yard line it's going over your head don't don't, don't go run you. after you. you just you just run up and try to get the guys to come to you hopefully it goes in the end zone yeah um and then the two jersey thing i mean that should never happen that's an easy fix rumor has it the special teams coordinator didn't change the return man's jersey number on his roster um which that's inexcusable yeah um the false starts, man, that's easy stuff to fix, stuff that probably won't happen at home games. And then you won't go to another environment like that. I guess, you know, South Carolina is one, and then you won't mm-hmm. go to another one until you go to LSU in November. So yeah, um, you'll be kind of good there. So I think some of the stuff's easy to fix. Let Graham do his thing. He did great. Let's get um, Eugene Wilson involved in the play in the – in the offense a little bit more so we can get Ricky open because at the beginning of the game, they were just doubling Ricky. And yeah, I mean it. So let, let's get some of these young guys involved and that way we can get Ricky more touches. Cause I mean, he, we saw towards the end of the game. I mean, when he was making plays, we were moving the offense. So yeah, just ready to see Florida in another game. That way we can get this bad taste out of our mouths mm-hmm. and get ready for Tennessee in two weeks, man. And, kind of looking at Utah now, there were people that were coming out of this game that were like, what a performance from the Utes. I I wasn't impressed with Utah that much given they they did supposedly have eight-plus starters out, but you, you had people that were giving the Utes tons of credit and tons of flowers, but I really wasn't that impressed with Utah, and I was kind of coming out of the game saying – Florida Florida should be kicking themselves because of the way that Utah played. I mean, it wasn't like Utah was just beating Florida. Florida was giving Utah easy chances, and they were walking right through the door, and they were taking them. Yeah. Um, You know, I can see why people are saying that about Utah, just because they had a lot of guys out and they were yeah. still able to come out with a win. Yeah. And now they're thinking like, well, when they get Cam Rising back, what are they going to be? When they get their yeah. starting tight end back, what's going to happen? And their starting defensive tackle back, uh, what 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 are they going? They they could have a chance to be special and win the Pac-12 again. So I see why they're saying that. They're a good team. Don't know if they're a Pac-12 champ again this year. Definitely feel like we gave them a lot more than they earned. So we'll see. We'll see how the season goes for them. I definitely think they will improve offensively when Cam Rising comes back. So we'll see how they do the rest of the season, and um, hopefully they can get healthy and finish their year strong. Man, from one SEC team losing to another – we have the South Carolina Gamecocks, man. They got trounced by 
UNC 31 to 17, man. I could not have been more wrong about a game this weekend <laughs> than I think God, I was about this game. Where did this UNC defense come from? Their defensive line, I also don't know if it was so much from South Carolina's offensive line just being absolute garbage or has this or has this UNC defensive line kind of taken a step? I think it's a little bit of both, which is usually how it is. Dude, I wish I would have listened to myself in this podcast last week when I was changed my mind about this game because I, I went back and changed it to South Carolina late. Mm-hmm. And I should have just kept my faith with Drake May because I said this team was good. They're a good team in the ACC. They're going to be good. They can beat South Carolina because of South Carolina's offensive line and their Stick run game. Should have just stayed with what I said. Because that's literally what happened in the ball game. South Carolina just couldn't block UNC, and they couldn't stop Drake May and them consistently. So, yeah. it's South Carolina, same South Carolina they were last year. They can't run the ball, and they can't block. So, if you got a good defensive line and you can stop the run, you have a chance to beat South Carolina. And yeah. UNC, Drake May, they're the real deal. They actually found them a little bit of a run game that they didn't have last year. So hopefully it can help them where Drake May is not the leading rusher. Yeah. Maybe they're hopefully their running backs can be the leading rushers. And hey, former offensive, former Auburn Tiger offensive coordinator Chip Lindsay, Lindsay did a pretty good job leading the Tar Heels to a W uh Saturday night. And Mac Brown, I know he was proud. It looked like he was about to give old Shane Beamer the choke slam in post game. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that was his hundredth win. At, if he if he just now got a hundred. No, that was his hundredth win just at North Carolina. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I think because I think at Texas he has like hundred fifty nine, and he just got his hundredth at cool. the, at the North Carolina. Because this is his yeah. second stint at North Carolina. Yes. I think. Yeah. Yes, yeah. man. But kind of the way that I was talking about Utah. I was more impressed with UNC's defense than I mm-hmm. was with UNC's offense because Drake Drake May did throw the two interceptions, yeah. and and they they kind of let South Carolina still hang around. I mean, because because South Carolina got in down towards uh, I can't remember if they were in the red zone or they were right around it twice towards the end of the game and they just kept going forward on going forward on fourth down but i mean they kind of let they kind of let south carolina hang around a a little bit longer than i thought they should when the game was playing out and it was really because the it was really because the north carolina offense kept going three and out having to punt the ball back three and out have having to punt the ball back but I think they'll be able to get all all of that figured out. And the S- South Carolina defense isn't horrible, but man, the story of this game was that North Carolina defensive line getting nine sacks. And they, so in terms of quarterback pressures, they pressured Spencer Rattler 19 times out of, because I, because I think he dropped back like third, 39 times and 39 and 19 out of the 39 times they were getting pressure on him. That's, that's tough. That's almost half of the time he's getting pressured. That's yeah. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, Drake and them are going to have to be more consistent. Yeah. Um, especially if you want to try to represent and be a representative in the ACC championship game, um, probably against Florida State, maybe with how Clemson looked now. Um, you're gonna have to be more consistent, but it does help that their defensive line has stepped up and looked better. Um, you know, talking about South Carolina's defense, that's definitely probably they're they're pretty good. I mean, I think they're gonna be all right. They're gonna get better as the year go as the year goes on. And I think the offense will improve, but they need to get better up front a little bit and they need to find a run game because just like last year, dude, they just can't run the ball right now 
and it is going to be a long season for the Gamecocks if they're not, dude. Because, I mean, like, you have to play Georgia. You have to play Tennessee. You have to play Texas A&M. I mean, I mean, like, goodness gracious, like, you're going to get – you're you're gonna get your lunch money stolen if you are if you are South Carolina. You are gonna get bullied on the playground. You're gonna get your lunch money stolen, and your offense won't be able to do anything simply because they won't be able to block. So, just trying to get that figured out. If you are South Carolina, they have a big game week three. They're going to Athens. See if they can kind of right the ship between now and then. Just, just see, man. This game was on a Thursday night. Minnesota thirteen, Ugly. Nebraska ten. If Ugly. if I had to bring some little Indian kid and say, like, hey, you haven't ever heard of this sport called college football? There's this division, the Big Ten West. <laughs> they play the ugliest football in this division. I would show him this game and say this this is a summary of a Big Ten West division game. I mean, it was so ugly. The whole game, I kind of felt like I kind of felt like like Minnesota was the better team. Ethan Calliot Manis was. You can tell why they call him the Greek Rifle because man, that ball jumps out of his hand. I mean, plus he's plus he's slinging it sidearm, throwing it in these tight windows, throwing it at these crazy angles. And early on, I kind of felt like they were for sure the better team, but then they kind of cooled off. Then here, then here came Nebraska. But Nebraska would have won this football game if they would have had a competent quarterback. Jeff Jeff Sims did not have a good night. He did did he throw three? three interceptions and i I'm think not, two i'm not sure yeah i'm i'm pretty sure he threw three three picks he just he just kept turning the ball over one was in the end zone well and i mean just if i had it if i had a kid if i had somebody that wanted to go watch college football for the first time i would not show them that game because it was terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean good lord dude it was just they're just they, neither one of them could get really nothing going. They both no. looked bad. Um, I mean, it definitely looked like Minnesota was the better team. They just couldn't execute when they get close to the end zone, man. When yeah. they get in the red zone, they just couldn't finish. And they missed yeah. like two or three field goals. Um, and then, too, Nebraska's touchdown was such a BS touchdown. The Double oh, yes, pass dude. that skipped off the ground and drops it and he flicks it to the wide open guy. Dude, it, it just it was a weird game. It was definitely a, uh, like you kind of said that was a Big Ten West game to, to the mat. Yeah, to a yeah. T. Just that's that's what a Big Ten West game looks like. Yeah, just just ugly. You have turnovers. You have really crucial penalty penalties for Nebraska, kind of like it was for Florida. I mean, just like they would go, they'd go, and they go, and then they'd get in a position. They would, they would have a false start. They'd have an, they'd have a illegal formation right down there on the goal line. I mean, just killing them. But I think Nebraska's. I think they'll get better. This is just the first game under rule, so I think they'll definitely get better. They have a big matchup this week versus Colorado. That's definitely going to be. On the pickums, I'm excited to see it. But this was a great way to kind of kick off the week with an ugly game that ended up being a good game with a really good finish. So I was happy because our friend Logan, who didn't have the best week, he's <laughs> going to have a great week now because this is the second time I've talked about it. He was slandering Minnesota, slandering. And he 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 was almost committed to the psych ward because of Jeff Sims's because of Jeff Sims, dude, he was, he was upset. And I will yeah. just, I will leave it at that. And we can kind of get into these games that were still good games because they're college football games, but they weren't necessarily, they, they were kind of below. Yeah. You, <laughs> you have the Louisville versus Georgia Tech game. This, this one was a pretty good game. You had Louisville won 39, 34. It was kind of, 
Georgia Tech just had a really fantastic second quarter. I mean, they exploded for 28 points in the second quarter. And really, besides that, they they were just okay. You could definitely tell that they're a better coach team than what you know they what? were under Jeff Collins. For but, Georgia Tech, man, for them just to look better and look competitive, yeah. man, that's all we can ask for, dude, because yeah. they've looked terrible for a few years now. And I'm just happy that they're competitive in these games. And I kind of thought this was going to be a blowout, man. But this yeah. is a new Georgia Tech team, so I should have thought better. And I, I'm just happy that they're competitive. And it was cool to see Louisville get going in that game late. I was a little worried because um, I did have I was Louisville. super worried. Uh, I, I had Louisville kind of high in my picks. I think like five maybe. Um, I had them at seven. Yeah, I had them somewhere up there. So I was glad to see them get going and then thrash Troop County kid. See him balled catch out. a touchdown pass, dude. He balled out, man. He he's gonna be a good player for them. Oh, yeah. And see Louisville, you you've kind of been on them for a little while now, and just kind this, of we talked about them some. This this kind of cooled me off of them though. Just yeah, just, I can see just a little. I can see that, but let's let's kind of not jump, you know, jump off the train just yet because this is yeah. the first week, and maybe Georgia Tech is better, and I think yeah. they are. So, I mean, obviously, we just saw their former quarterback play for Nebraska. We just talked about it. He t- it looked terrible. So, so I mean, I, I think that both these teams are going to be okay when we keep going. And let's not forget, Louisville has a pretty easy schedule. So, see, and that's why I think so, so many people were high on them. Not, not so much of who they are as a team, but who they have to play. Yeah, and and it's just they do have an easy path, but man, Georgia Tech was driving down with like four and a half minutes to go, dude. And Haynes King, the Texas A&M transfer quarterback, gets just smacked in his blind side, and then he unfortunately for Georgia Tech fumbles the ball. They were driving a long way; they had all the momentum. And then that was kind of a killer. But, man, I think Georgia Tech should have won this game. I I truly do just because they did explode for that second quarter and then they kind of grabbed the momentum late and were driving to go take the lead and to really kind of seal the game. But that's just going to be something to keep an eye on. Can Georgia Tech keep that momentum up? And can Louisville kind of be the team people think they are? So – but still, a very interesting game. This this was essentially a standalone game on Friday night. It was the only one that was on the pickums, but super interesting game, none the least. And then just three quick games we can kind of fly through: Penn State thirty-eight, West Virginia fifteen. My biggest take. Well, I got three big takeaways from this. Well, four. Drew Aller, dog, stud. Like he he is he's everything people have said he is. Like he has such command of the football. He has such pocket awareness. He's able to keep his eyes downfield. He's he's able to move around. He's able to fit balls into tight windows. And he's and like you make like he was making throws. And I was like, this is his first year starting. Like this dude's a true sophomore. Like he's he's going to be good. The they they really didn't have a a a wide receiver one step up. They did have wide receivers make plays for Penn State, but they they really didn't have one guy that kind of say that he was the alpha. Their run defense up the gut was still a little soft, um, and that was the question coming into this year. And I think I might have been wrong about West Virginia. They showed some fight. Good. Yeah, they 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 showed some fight in this game. So I'll admit where I was wrong, and I might be wrong about West Virginia. I still think Neil Brown probably doesn't make it to the end of the season. But who longer but, than six games? He probably won't be fired by the end of October. Yeah, I, I can yeah. give him that. Yeah, they they did. They they looked better than I thought as well. They looked competitive. Their quarterback looked pretty good too. Um, he was making some plays, but 
I'm with you. Drew Aller looked pretty good. He looked like a like a well old machine. I mean, he looked like he's been there for four years, dude, playing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was wondering, just like you, like who's going to be that wide receiver to step up? Who's going to be that guy that he can go to in this in the late in the Michigan game or in the Ohio State game? You know, yeah. they, you know, you you got to win one of those games if you want to take that next step and ultimately either winning the big 10 or at least making the playoffs. Um, so that, that would be my biggest thing for them is just find that playmaker on the outside. Cause you know, you got the dudes behind you all or who can, you can hand the ball off to yeah, and find a way to stop the run yeah. up the middle because you got a team up, up in Michigan that will run it down your throat and you know it. Mm-hmm. So if you can't stop the run, you're going to have a hard time that night. So they, they got a long, they got, they got, they got a while till they play those guys, and they got yeah. a bunch of games they can get ready for them. So um, I expect Penn State to keep getting better, keep getting better. And just like I've always said, dude, they got some of the best DBs in the country, and it, sh- and it showed yeah. again Saturday night. So I mean, the only the only aspect of of their secondary that didn't look great was their interior defensive line. Secondary looked phenomenal. The 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 linebackers look really good and they have some good players that play on the defensive line but it's just they they just weren't quite there but that's just something to keep an eye on and then my baby's out west so washington huskies 56 boise state 19 michael Penix jr baby balled out man he had like 450 yards ish Five touchdowns. They had three receivers with essentially 100 yards a pop. I mean, they looked good. They looked really, really good, which was kind of what I was expecting. This was my, like, nine, I think. I mean, I really wasn't expecting anything less from Washington here. Yeah, um, it was kind of close for, like, a little bit in the first yeah. half and then Washington just went off in the second half. And exploded. like you kind of said, Michael Penix Jr. just exploded in that third quarter and we looked up and it was a blowout. Mm-hmm. Um because I think we we had one of this we had this game on the iPad. Um yeah. we had a bunch of casuals around us. So capital uh, C casuals. Yeah. Yeah. They're making us watch the Georgia game. So the dogs. So uh but yeah didn't expect anything else but what happened in that game um he looked good dude and your little one of your fantasy drafts quarterbacks exploded yeah i'm pretty sure i bet you're in the lead for yeah. week one i, I think probably. It's probably not probably not close well no probably cody because he has caleb williams and he's already played twice so yeah. probably cody right now but i think yeah. i think washington has it and identity, dude, they throw those deep balls over and over, and they are coming at you, and they're saying, we have these three guys that can go get it. We have a quarterback that can put it there. Can you stop us? Yeah. And so that'll be interesting to see that play out in the Pac-12 this year because lots of people are high on them, man. Tons and tons of people are high on the Washington Huskies and our final breakdown of the night won't spend too much time on this NC state 24 UConn 14 Wolfpack wins in the dog fight, man. I wasn't, I will, I was looking for a little more from NC state in this spot, but I think UConn was kind of showing flashes that what Jim Moore is building there is can kind of be sustainable. I mean, I mean, NC State's a lot of people's dark horses to win the ACC. So for UConn to stick around as as long as they did, I was more impressed with the way that UConn was able to stick around than with what NC State was able to do. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in NC State's defense, man. Um, that that was not uh, that especially was not the ground their, game. Yeah, that was not their best unit. I mean, NC State's offense looked better than their defense, and it's been a while since you can kind of say that about them. Um, and maybe it was more because UConn's better than we thought. 
Yeah. And Jim Moore is building something pretty special out there in UConn, something that they haven't seen on the football side of things ever. So um, at least on the division one side of things. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it was more UConn than -hmm. it was Jim Moore than than NC state and them. So um, it'll be interesting to see how NC state does the rest of the year. Um, I thought they were going to miss O'Leary a little bit more than they did, uh, but their quarterback they got now is just fine. I think he's going to be all right. And Brennan um, Armstrong's a dog, dude. Yeah, dude, he played well, and and their offense kind of moved the ball a little bit. But again, this is UConn, so I don't think they'll. I don't see them winning the ACC. I don't see them even no. being making it to the championship game, and their defense just struggled. And that that was that's always been your strength. So I think they got some growing up to do, and they they which is his game one. So. We'll uh, we'll see how they do in the in in the future. Do you also think that NC State could have been looking ahead to the Notre Dame game because they do play Notre Dame this week? So I definitely think that that could have been in the back of all of these players' minds, and it's like, hey, it's like we have small little UConn this this week, but we get we get Notre Dame at home next next week, a really big game, early season, kind of look ahead. So, if you got if you got good coaching, you don't do that. Well, they they have really they have a good head coach in Dave Dorn. I mean, you don't even uh, really good teams don't do that. I mean, you don't look ahead at all. I I try not to use that because I mean, I know it happens. Oh yeah, it's and you see it like Texas Tech is a true example of that. I believe a hundred percent. But man, if you got if your coaches truly hundred percent take it week by week, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, man. I always like to do a little impromptu thing every week. Who is your big winner of the week, and who's your big loser? Winner of the week has to be Colorado. Yep. Um, they definitely capitalized on their. St- their opportunity, I mean, all eyes were on them. Yeah. They were the first game Saturday morning, and they took advantage of it. Um, I think my big loser of the weekend was Clemson. I yeah. mean, they looked awful. And it, here's the reason why, you know, people are like, well, you're a Florida fan, and y'all look bad too. Well, we weren't the ninth-ranked team in the country. Exactly. And the favorites, we weren't the second-best favorite in our conference. Yeah. And we didn't play a mid-tier team in our conference. So having Duke just kind of dominate them in a way, especially in the second half, uh, I think they're the big losers of the weekend. And let's see what they can do to improve the rest of this season. I'm in the same boat as you. I I mean, you have to say that the big winner is Colorado, Deion Sanders, Travis Hunter. And I think I'm kind of going to go just a little bit different here. Even though the fans are a big winner, too, because college football is back, I think the big loser is the clock rules and how it impacts the viewing experience in the stadium for the fans. Because the games, the games are flying by, and I'm seeing all of these stats that are coming out the Dagum TV commercials are eating up the time of like when you have fans that are in the stadium, they're saying that there's about an hour of commercials that are throughout the game. And that's just ridiculous. These new rules were never about player safety. They weren't about limiting exposures. You had, these TV corporations that they imp- they pumped these games full of commercials, pumped them full of TV timeouts, and they created a problem of these games going over 15, 20 minutes. So they you know, get in so that, that they get in the rules committee here and say, hey, y'all really need to shorten the games. And so now you're having <laughs> less and less plays being played in the name of player safety. And ah, dude, 
I, I'm gonna say God, this. It makes me so mad. I'm gonna say this before you um, before we get off of here. Maybe college football can take something from soccer right here. Soccer doesn't take a break until halftime, and we no. don't see a commercial until halftime. Now, can you do that exactly what happen. soccer does? No, you can't. You can't do exactly what soccer does because it the sport does stop and go a bunch. Yeah, but you can not go to commercial until either a timeout is called or until a touchdown is scored or a field goal is kicked. Or so you can those need to be the only three stoppages of the games where you need to go to a commercial because we don't need a TV timeout after a touchdown and a TV timeout after the kickoff. I mean, that's the ridiculous. Hell do I need a TV timeout for like just like you were saying, you you're 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 coming out of a TV timeout on 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 fourth down because because someone's about to punt then they punt oh and we'll be back from a break whopper 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 no <laughs> no dude i think they could take a play from your second favorite sport nascar when so i would probably say the very first kickoff of the game have it televised on the big screen then for all the other kickoffs have it up in the corner. Have like a little quick commercial playing for all of for for all of the PATs. Have the PAT up in the upper left hand corner. Have have the commercial playing. Like just find a way to integrate the commercials a little bit more. Yeah, you can use the special yeah. team stuff Dude, with it. I mean, yes. only time we need to see. I think we need to see special teams is the punts. Punts. And probably the very first kickoff and yeah, the very and, first kickoff and like, just kind of in the fourth quarter if it's close. Right. And plus like, you know, those people, they're waiting there in the big control room to click the button to get it back to the big screen. They have the technology to do this. Just have it up there. You, you have someone literally with their finger on a button waiting for if, waiting for if someone is returning the kick then if they're returning the kick you just click the button and it throws it up on the screen it's it's that simple but these people are not worried about the the fan experience they aren't they're only worried about how much money they can get out of this sport and how much ad revenue they can make and it's sick big tv ruining college football is my big loser for the weekend facts and Drop the mic. Drop the mic. See y'all Thursday. Week two breakdown. See you later. See you later. Can't wait. Will, have a a good week. I will see you Thursday. And thank all of y'all for watching. Catch us Thursday. Extra point. Love y'all. Peace.